Wake up in the morning feeling like Waterman is extremely well. She's very slippery. You don't own me. Okay, now the tough question. Is this a try? Yes or no? Just because I'm a woman. <laughs> Hello, tryhards. Good morning, good evening, good night. Good, <laughs> good evening. <laughs> um, I like I've that. Had, I've had a cracker from um, Karen Jones this morning. So it is currently about uh, 9 a.m. here in Auckland. And I woke up, um, and she obviously saw I was online on WhatsApp. So she messaged me to say, how's your day been with the Black Ferns? I said, mum, I've just woken up. Uh, we are six weeks into this and you're still not quite grasping how this time difference works. <laughs> It is a weird concept, isn't it, time? I mean, I, maybe this isn't the time, time literally, uh, to debate it. Um, but just the fact that during the quarterfinals, semi-final, I don't even know when it was, the clocks went back yeah. and we literally witnessed one o'clock twice. Um, it was quarterfinals, wasn't it? Um, just weird. Like, it's really weird that it's the morning for you, the evening for me in uh, it's not just that it's, it's a different day for me like I'm I'm on Tuesday now I, I feel like we don't have the intellect to discuss this so oh, let's yeah. move on shall we Love and that. what else have you been up to I've spoken um, to you for so long actually I have but via the podcast for other people to listen to we've been up yeah. to uh what have I been up to I genuinely feel like I can't remember I bumped into <laughs> mum yesterday afternoon she was having a nice oh, Vicky yeah Bumped into Vicatron. She was having an, avoid, uh, an ice cream. I was having an ice cream. Does she cream. look glamorous? Does she look glamorous? She had a lovely leopard print sandal on. Oh. Yeah, she was in, me in the ice cream queue. And I stood there and I thought, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's Vicky. And then she didn't say anything to me. And then she kind of sat down. I went over and went, Vicky. And she went, I thought it was you, but I didn't want to interrupt your conversation. I thought you'd be waiting all day if you don't wait to interrupt one of my conversations. <laughs> uh, I saw Vicky, which was really lovely. Um... What else have I done? I feel like I have done things, but I can't really remember. I had you a really- had the referees over for food. Oh, I had the referees over for dinner, which was so nice. I had um, Joy Neville you make them? spag bowl, which is a really silly thing to. So I don't know if you know, but Joy's wife Simona, her family own all the Italian restaurants in Limerick. So obviously, all she does is eat Italian food. <laughs> and I made spag bowl, but they said it was fantastic, and I actually saw Coxie on Sunday. And she said it was absolutely 10 out of 10. So oh, well, she's just a noise, isn't she? Um, so we, <clears throat> I don't know if we've mentioned this, but every Friday evening, obviously, you get the updates about what time the team in England are meeting um, when you're just getting up for dinner. And so we've been going for Phil's meals every Friday um, in Ealing. And Phil is the executive producer head editor. of rugby editor editor yeah top guy at itv bait but ledge um so we've been going for phil's meals every week and i must say we have been around the globe in ealing that place has been great but every time they've, they've we've done italian i think three times um, honestly they, and bad. the first time they were like oh i thought it was funny and they were like oh nolly can you order um <laughs> i said started speaking a little bit italian and the waitress was i i have no idea where she was from but she was definitely not italian um no idea what i was saying so i sounded like a pro um second one i 
couldn't translate and they were a bit they were a bit upset they didn't know what was going on but um, we googled it and then yeah third one it was terrible so um what other quizzes I, I will say Thai, didn't you yeah we've been to we've had Thai we've had Mexican we've had Persian we've had um was the Italian um Indian honestly Ealing what a place and they're all quite they're all quite um independent like a lot of them are independent places yeah. we did go to Las Iguanas for one and it was honestly like going to a nightclub I had to I I I raised the stakes in terms of my age and asked the waiter twice to turn down the music and he said all oh, right it's Saturday night Friday night like you know we turn it up and I was like yeah but I can't hear can I can't hear person Mate, opposite me we are one person because I went out for a drink with Emily Lyles from the RFU the week before last and I asked them to turn the music down that we were in the bar that we were in and they said no we're creating a vibe and I said well in my opinion, that vibe is <laughs> And Emily um, just looked at me like, oh my God, LJ, back in your box. Um, oh, the other thing, I uh, obviously on Saturday, it, it's been quite nice because, you know, got to interview one of my best friends in the world, Sarah Hirony after the game. So that was really special. And then, you know, just obviously being so far away from home, catching up with uh, one of my other best friends via Instagram stories and, and Instagram messages. So it's been really nice to see... Um, Ava Waterman, my other best friend, uh, through the media <laughs> of my phone. Uh, but you had a sleepover with her, didn't you, last week? Yeah, I did. My little 17-month-old niece, um, absolute goals. Um, had beetroot soup, which is an interesting one that my brother made. Wasn't too bad, actually. Um, Joe's a creative soul, my brother. Um, and, uh, yeah, in the morning, I had, uh, I had cuddles. She was put on the sofa bed on top of me. Um, she was a bit confused and when she well she was a bit confused that I was there because I think I, I arrived before she, like when she'd gone to bed and um yeah I'm definitely not mum because there's two extra pillows on, when she lies on me. <laughs> um yeah so I yeah it was um it was really cool to hang out with her she puts a lot of things in life into perspective for me because she's just such a happy cool little kid and I think when you spend time with toddlers, you realise how present you have to be and how actually a lot of the time we spend worrying about what's gone on or getting anxious about what we've got coming up and like prepping for the semi-finals, you know, got the keys. I'm finally a Somerset house owner. Loads of stuff that I need to do um, with that being an old building and water deciding to creep its way in. But um, yeah, I think every now and again, you just need to, to have that moment of presence and uh I mean obviously it's quite nice because I get to give her back if she cries so <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah lovely. being Somerset was great lovely I um I feel like Auckland is the smallest city on earth I meant to tell you this the other day so I was wandering through the city as I do you know middle of Auckland it's not the capital of New Zealand I now know but just crossing the road bumped into Dave Ward just in the middle I of the road you. and you know obviously because we don't care we just had a little hug in the middle of the road and then walked off from each other so uh, that was nice so Dave <laughs> and I hear that you you went to Bristol last week what did ah, you think? what a place Bristol Bears training facility how good it was all um it was it was all pretty cool actually so I nearly missed it turning turning off but then saw these like amazing signs all lit up I know exactly down. where you mean when you say I nearly missed it because every time I go, I drive past and have to do a UE in that lay by across the road, <laughs> come back and turn <laughs> yeah. down the driveway every um, time. 
I was in my little sparkly yellow um, hire car. I was so embarrassed every time I pulled up anywhere. I was like, oh, this is not my car. It's a hire car. It's a player who arrived at the same time as me. Um, I don't think she ever questioned my car choice. But um, yeah, it was unbelievable. And um, to see what they have access to. I ate there as well. They invited me to watch training um, in the rain. Slightly underestimated the uh, weather, um, but did manage to to nick some um, stash, which I know you messaged me about. I had to give it back. So I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I had to give it back. But um, it was awesome. And you know what? It it was part of my little uh, Women's Rugby Association tours. Um, so I went there and I went to Harlequins, which was cool to see the girls. Um, always makes me laugh and chuckle and, and smile inside when I see Langi Tuima. Um, fantastic player because... I always just think back to that game that you covered up in Scotland where she celebrated before she put the ball down and was never, she was so mortified with herself. Um, so yeah, no, it was, it, it's been interesting actually, because getting out to see the clubs, it, I don't know, went to see Exeter a couple of weeks ago and it's class to see what they have access to, you know, as players, but fundamentally the reason I'm going is to try and get them to understand that, you know, there's the support there with the Women's Rugby Association and just what it actually even means because as Red Roses and some of the other internationals we were always fortunate and the girls are fortunate now to have the support of the RPA um, but it's not something that's been available to the to the premiership in the past and so it's fascinating to to hear them the questions that they ask and to see the the lack of understanding that they need that help um, yeah. and that it's there for them um, at the grand cost of five pounds um, to become yeah. a member for the season. Um, so yeah, it, it's been really, it's been a real eye opener for me. Um, and also what's really exciting is I've finally been able, and we will be announcing it officially that we are going to be having um, our player board by the end of the year. Wow. Um, and we set it up as a governance so that it's for the players by the players. And so once they're in, and the chief exec will be lounging back and uh, wow. allowing the girls to, to get stuck in. But I think from that point of view, given everything that's happening at World Cup, obviously with Worcester and Wasps and all of the challenges they're facing and and the, the spotlight being on women's rugby, it just emphasises even more, one, how good the Premier 15s is, but how important it is that the girls have got that opportunity to be part of creating its future as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I must admit, having a flat out amazing chicken breast roast chicken with broccoli mashed potato the whole shebang after training I was like it's not just delicious food these girls don't have to cook when they get home I was yeah. like oh this is so good yeah. it's like um it feels like an NFL franchise at Bristol as well doesn't it it's got like everywhere. <laughs> I love it it's really interesting though to hear you talk about the WR WRA like this and when you say oh you know when that player board is in place the chief exec gets to kick back but you're really doing yourself a disservice in terms of the legwork that you've been doing for the past year with the WRA in terms of getting these signups and getting the girls to understand that you're there for them and I think what's really interesting is you know it's five pounds for players to sign up and what they're getting for that five pounds in terms of not just rugby IQ but the IQ around their safety their well-being their futures and the legal side of things, that's kind of the most stark thing for me, especially when you look at, as you say, what's happened at Wasps and Worcester. So well done, my friend. Well done. And oh, girls, if you haven't signed up, like, what are you doing? Get involved. <laughs> yeah, um, and I've got offering my services, but, you know, <laughs> I told them hey, you I might be called. A, you might be called upon as um, 
the face of ITV pitch side coverage for some media training. Who knows? Oh, I love that. I, I, do you know what, girls? Why not? Let's get some media training. <laughs> um, I, I'll pay them to come to that. <laughs> they'll be queuing up. They'll be queuing up. Uh, I could actually run up? how to do a podcast. I've delivered something on that before. That is absolutely uh. <laughs> That is laughable. <laughs> wow oh, lol um i'm trying to think what else i've done or, or anything but oh I, one thing i did do is i went to the wonderful group seeing as we're on the theme of these amazing organizations that support women uh mel robinson one of my kind of all-time heroes um obviously a two-time world cup winning blackfin but what that woman has done in the broadcasting industry down here in new zealand and what she continues to do um she's on the world rugby board she's just an absolutely phenomenal human being and somebody that i have looked up to my entire broadcasting career and now i get to work with her and spend time with her and what i would refer to as getting meld because i went to her wonderful group which is a, a kind of think tank for women in the sports industry and broadcasting uh, last week and everyone said goodbye at the end and you know did their polite little oh thank you Mel thanks for having us and Mel and I pushed on and my word did I have a <laughs> I got meld um but it was amazing so that was really good fun um shall we talk about some of the rugby from the weekend no I, I you, you've briefly you've briefly um skipped over something that I know why you said it quickly um I'm not angry I'm just a little bit disappointed about um I know you have favorite friends uh I know that I'm not in that bracket (laughs) I'm just a friend um uh with benefits oh yeah with not those benefits (laughs) benefit being I edit this podcast for you yeah I bring entertainment to you to you to edit um my biggest bugbear about like a wonderful interview with Sarah Hirani after the oh, okay. um, after the match. Um, some brilliant footage where the camera like panned round, followed her um, as she said thank you to the interviewer, your um, beautiful self. And then there it was in front of me, a massive, very very tight hug. Now I'm somebody that you always refuse or squirm away from when it comes to body contact. So what's that all about? Right, right. For the listener's benefit here, (laughs) if I hug Gossie, it's just a hug. When I hug Nolly, she threatens to lick my eyeballs. This is not a great <laughs> thing between myself and Danielle. And this is, and when I say she threatens to do it, she sticks her tongue out. And if my glasses aren't on, I am evading licks on, on my, you know, let's be honest, the target area is quite large. So she <laughs> So Danielle, that is why. I've really struggled with the hugging here. It's been the World Cup of hugs. Um, too many women, too much physical contact. I am not a hugger. My love language is gift giving, is acts of service, is not personal touch. I'm not a hugger. And the amount of people who felt appropriately to hug me, I'm like, please, back off. Because no, try hard to keep it going. If any of you can, please make sure you land a massive hug on her, especially players. Any player that sees her, make sure that you hug her after the match when you're really sweaty. Um, oh, in fact, I've talking actually... about hugs. Alex Matthews put a wonderful post um, of her just hugging everybody after the semi-final in preparation for the final. Um, she's a great hugger, so I might send her your way. 
Oh, I actually had, I did, I've had a couple of hugs with Alex, but I saw Alex yesterday and um, we were talking about um, the semi-finals and I said, oh, Ruby Tui was out for an hour signing autographs and hugging fans and Alex's face, the awkwardness of Alex at the thought of spending an hour meeting people she didn't know. And I said, you don't like to have to go and say hello to Charlotte in the stands afterwards, let alone all these random people. <laughs> and I did a little impression of her. She went, it's actually a very good impression. Oh, um, you know what? Charlotte it... for a beer later. Oh, that oh, say hi for me. Bloody love that girl. Um, I um one thing I have it's been really nice to see, and I know that the girls we spoke about in the pod and like how hard it is to be away and not to be able to like just go home and, and speak to people because also the time difference and stuff as well. And Leanne Riley's uh, Leanne Riley, who I said on live on ITV and the producer <laughs> was like, Who's Leanne Riley? I was like, Oh, Leanne Infante um she has been doing a, a weekly um column so I I definitely give a shout out to Leanne um and if you haven't read it go on to England Rugby um to I think it's on England Rugby website um she's been posting them and stuff because they're really interesting and gives a really nice just normal it's literally Leanne chatting when she's saying yeah. it so she's it's not really that filtered gives a different insight into players um but she spoke about how nice it is because of the time difference, but also just how much she's missing her dog, Tess. <laughs> um, but it's been really nice. And to see all of the family in the crowd, like some of them have been fortunate enough to be there for the whole time. Others have just literally arrived last week. Some are arriving now. Um, Bryony Khalil, I think, is on the plane as, yeah. we, as we record. Um, so, yeah, I think just seeing their posts seeing them getting out and doing stuff away from camp I think lots of people don't really won't fully appreciate how hard it is being around a group of people all the time and just you know that rugby and even just being in kit all the time you know just getting out and being you and and doing your own thing um so yeah I think it's it's brilliant and it will really refresh the girls ready for the weekend yeah yeah hope so should we talk about rugby I mean we've kind of spoken enough about other stuff as well um I mean, the games were all right, weren't they? Yeah, they were. Yeah, seen better, seen worse. (laughs) I don't think I have seen better. Honestly, it's one of those things where after the quarterfinals, it was really interesting that there was. I've really struggled with the negativity around coverage of this World Cup, um, or the negative coverage around this World Cup, not the negativity around the coverage, in terms of. Um, there's been a moan about everything, and after the quarters, there was a big thing about how. oh, this is, um, the disparity in score lines was so big and they weren't close games. Now, people need to look at this in context. We're moving to a 16-team World Cup next time round. So we can't, we couldn't have gone from a 12-team World Cup with no quarterfinal stage to a 16-team World Cup with a quarterfinal stage because the volume of rugby is therefore that much greater. There's more match days, there's more matches this had to be done now. It has to, it can't just all happen at once. You know, when we've just talked about the girls being away from home, this World Cup is longer because of the gaps between games as well and an additional round. And yeah, maybe some of those quarterfinals were damp squibs because of the score lines, but fundamentally for the growth of this game, they had to happen. And I think people removed that context when they talked about it last week. However, all of that negativity felt wiped away by the fact that we had two semifinals that could not have been closer. Yeah, no, I uh, I enjoyed it a lot. We were I I very rarely um, 
as a passionate person actually i very rarely like shout at the tv or like get into a game like that like that's just not me i'll be like chuntering away about blah, 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 that part could have been, you know something about the back three or some nausey comment um but i genuinely for the second game was like i'd like well when canada i was like no like when they were scored and they brought it back and i was like we were you know it, it was interesting because I, I don't think any of us thought that england would lose it but then it was like Canada showed that they could score from anywhere and I think yeah. having spoken to a couple of girls and just like watching it you could see that the fact that they honour like literally in a moment from England's own half they scored from a set piece it instantly put like a different level on the game because England came out obviously they started to pull away and you're thinking they got this and they you know it's pretty fast and furious they it but then when Canada did score from that scrum and they really, and it was a brilliant try, it was like, oh, wow, game on. And then their wow. second try as well came from, like, came out of, no, not out of nowhere. They built it, but at the same time, it was still an impressive score um, that unpicked the the English defence pretty, not easily, but tactically very well. Um, so, yeah, I like, I think, you know, Zoe Allcroft was absolutely insane in terms of her work rate and coverage of the ground and, and collisions um it's really interesting listening to flats and, and being in a studio and, and hearing what like we all say and um yeah I, in terms of like when the big smashes happen and you know like obviously for Maggie and I we're, and, and Phil we're kind of reasonably used to that happening in the game but when you yeah. see it time after time after time and technically they're very very good and, and they're getting smashed and you're hearing flats being like oh wow like yeah, yeah. not in a like patronizing way at all but it's yeah. a you know you can you can imagine what that's then happening in everyone's front rooms when they're watching it yeah. as well you know which is cool it's a nice insight um, how physically yeah. exhausted will England be after that game because it was yeah, rough and tough tight they um they looked quite. I think they looked quite tired. I think they. I think they had quite a lot of residual fatigue, probably from the Australia game. To be yeah. fair, um, you know, not just playing in those conditions in terms of having, like, I mean, thank God they weren't wearing the kit that I used to wear. Like back in the day, it would be like carrying an extra forty kilos with the like heavy cotton, um, the old chub rubber from those awful heavy <laughs> cotton shorts. Um, but um, yeah, I think you know. Well, Jill Douglas was like amazed that the pitch wasn't muddy. She couldn't get her head around it. Like that was her obsession the whole time. But I think it was a, a lot, lot heavier because it was like literally running in water. So it was like running Can't, on sand. Honestly, now I have covered some rugby matches in horrendous conditions. You know, I'm talking 15 years of of covering awful, awful weather. I've never seen anything that bad. Genuinely, it was. Yeah. That my favourite thing is that a certain England player told me that it felt like it was raining bath water. Because <laughs> it was so hot. Like it was it was so humid there and then it chucked it down and it was thick, thick rain. But the problem is that's the forecast of the final. The final forecast is rain. No. But oh. how much would that benefit England? Um, yeah, I think it will, but I want a really good game. <laughs> to watch and talk about I, I think um, I could take another game like we just saw on the weekend though oh no it, it was quality I think um Canada play a very fast and physical game um 
and their skill set has improved in terms of their speed of their distribution and how quickly they move it around the park. I think previously they've been let down by their skills, so their actual passing hasn't like it. You've got an extra split second constantly in defence because their catch and pass is is inaccurate. Yeah. Um, or has been and I think that that's been the biggest change for me in that they've always had that physical edge but their ability to offload their technical detail around that their technical detail um, I think Tessier was a revelation actually moving into 10 um, for them um, some of the kicking at times I was literally like yeah like please like stop because <laughs> it was so bad um I felt so sorry for Holly Aitchison when she completely I'm like she is one of the most skillful players in the game at the moment and she just completely miss hit the ball and like hit the ball with her shin and then it hit the back of Abby Ward's head which is <laughs> of all the players that, that you don't want moment. to foul on a pitch she'd be like pretty oh. close to being someone I would not want to annoy because I feel like if Abby Ward's seen that now <laughs> in the room, she's probably walking around that hotel looking for Holly nah, I just say it was so funny so it's just one of those what comical I, moments. What I thought was really interesting is in my post-match interview with Sophie Degudi, I asked her, um, you know, what do your union need to do? And she was very forthright and, and kind of said, it's not about our union and it's not about funding. And it's not about resources. It's about how much rugby we play. And that was then echoed in their post-match press conference. And, and I think that's been a really interesting theme. And, and that's where WXV will enter the fold in the next 12 to 18 months is that these teams, to improve, just need more rugby. When we think about the fact that there are, what, 10 England players who've got more caps than the Blackferns have played test matches, it's pretty stark. And I think that's what's going to be really interesting in shaping the next three years before we get to 2025. I, I, I agree and disagree with that because fundamentally, yes, you need test matches and WXV is going to do that. And we're starting to see the new structure, I think, scrum queens tweeted about how you can get how the like qualification for the next um world cup is yeah. i think ali donnelly then commented about like the fact that ireland will be there because i think it's like yeah. top five from the six nations and stuff anyway oh god no um, put it on the um we've got a women's rugby whatsapp group and he posted it and deleted it seven times because he couldn't get the maths right and i was like <laughs> you're asking the wrong group of people to confirm whether this is right john <laughs> Stop. <laughs> just imagine like, message, message deleted. Message deleted. Bigger and bigger and bigger. And pop and bigger. up and go. And pop up and go. And like, please stop, John. Like, yeah. John, please stop. And I also was um, like, John, I don't know who is <laughs> in this group, but there's no maths genius. It's here. We ain't we ain't got this for you. Um well, if I'd been in the group, then I'd uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be fine. But I, I I'm fine. I don't need to be in it. Um I um uh what was I saying? Test rugby. Yeah, so I, I agree and disagree. Test rugby is really, really important for them to grow as a nation. And that showed over the back of the fact that the five games they played, they got better, of course, um, and warm-up games and all that type of stuff. But fundamentally, you don't learn your rugby, you don't learn your trade, you don't push the depth of your team and squad by playing test matches because only 23 can play in a test match and you're not going to play the same number as a domestic league in a year and think having read an article I think it was Ali Donnelly's article actually Rugby Pass talking about why they struggle like the geography the fact that like half of Canada if not more of it was under snow for however yeah. much in the year um, geography it's how long it takes for them to travel around 
I think it's what they need to look at is the domestic game, whether that's a super series or whether that's right, like America, let's ship everyone off to the Premier 15s. But I know what's happening in the Premier 15s and they're not going to get a full-time, all of them aren't going to get full-time wages. There isn't the money in the game over here. They might get looked after, they might get a house, they might get a bit of pocket money, they might get a little bit. But that's where their union does have to step in and say, right, if you're going to go abroad and you're going to get X amount, you know, some nations are looking at top up money. So we're going to ensure that all of our professional players or all of our test players, whoever it is, or top number, get X amount of money. um, And we will get you to that point, depending on what else you earn from the clubs. So they're maximizing what they can get from the clubs for free. um, And then obviously providing the extra bit. And And I think that that to me is where they need to look at developing their game to not just have players like Sophie Dagudi and the um she was at Saracens and then Age. Yeah and 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 as at Worcester and then you've got the the front row from Exeter. I think, you know, potentially could they do that through education establishments? Could they look at university leagues and, and the strength of that, um, compress it into a certain time of the year, potentially. Um but they need That's to grow cool. some better depth I think across their squad um, but they did show that because Miller who was there starting nine at the start of the tournament I thought was a really good player she scored a couple of really good tries against Japan very exciting kind of sparky nine she um, got injured like internal bruising or something quite crazy so it they then had the um, Pelletier, I think is how you say her surname, the scrum half that started against England. And obviously she did well. She set up the try um, yeah. for, for, their fir- for their first points. So, um, yeah, they, I, I wouldn't say they've had that that depth before. Um, she played on the seventh Pelletier. Sorry? She's played on the World Series, Pelletier. Oh, okay. um, oh. It's interesting, though. One thing you've kind of touched on there is is the way that um, these teams are using the league in, in England, the league structure. And... Um, it quite neatly brings us on to another piece that Ali Dunley's written that I fully, fully back and and get behind. And she's saying everything that I kind of think in terms of when we look at this final on Saturday and these two teams, it is the battle of professionalism and the way that they've been professionalized. And I was having conversations with a few people on the weekend and I didn't realize how much those senior Black Ferns players are being paid by the NZIU. They're on $130,000, $140,000 a year, which is roughly seventy grand a year uh, sterling. And it's really interesting how they are paying big wages to big players and funding that way, as opposed to England, where the money is going further down. And it's a, as opposed to a trickle down, it's that grassroots lifting up from the bottom, kind of, as much as we don't want to call the Allianz Prem 15s a grassroots competition, but it's it's bringing it from the ground up as opposed to paying those top players. And it's a really interesting one. And I think the RFU approving, that's the model, but it also isn't just the model for England. It's the way that when we reflect on this World Cup in a week's time, what the Prem 15s is doing for the global game. And we've touched on it there with Canada and we can see it with USA. We can see it with, you know, some of the Italians have been over, the Wales girls all play in there. Um, Scotland and the importance of that league and what that is meaning for the growth of the game and how as England rise it is bringing other teams up with them and I think you know we we dog on the RFU for lots of things but this is one thing that my word they've got right (laughs) yeah it's taken time though hasn't it right so you know they've they invested in this uh we're in the 
fifth or sixth year of the um I can't remember because I had my head in crisps for a few years with Tyrrell. Next year, um, on next year um, must be sixth because then yeah. we got there's the two lots of three. Yeah. yeah. So um I think you know the proof is going to be in the pudding in terms of the strength and depth for England in 2025. Um, and making sure that the league is protected from an English qualified perspective. So it's not just about, um, you know, the the foreign internationals. Um, I think you can see the benefit of them at, in Exeter and what they've done and how they managed to basically leapfrog uh, Exeter as such a new team into Premiership final, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, but it does have its downfalls when you are you know when you are bringing over international foreign internationals because the English qualified players are potentially missing out opportunities um, and what's being done and the centre of excellence so below the um, the Premier 15s is the academy structure which is centre of excellence at each of the clubs and that's provi- that's provided funded by the RFU as well so I think the investment for the future is built on much stronger foundations than just paying the top players in New Zealand however I think what they will see is they they had to do something pretty drastic to inspire and ignite some real shift in the players um, at the top to then create legacy. And yeah. we're starting to see that because they've re- reached the final. Therefore, you know, the the number, the viewing figures, the stadium intake, all of those things are super important to then grow the game. But 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 fundamentally, they're um Farah Palmer Cup games they're not anywhere close to right. some of the top premiership games and they should be um that showed in the autumn and what they've done is built a squad of 30 to 40 players to to dominate in a black shirt now do you know what I mean so it's just what they're going to you know do. a number of those have been bought over from another program that's been hugely successful and you know they've they've benefited from taking what five six people out of that sevens program for this 15s yeah so when we look at this weekend when we look at these two teams what (laughs) let's deal with them each in a vacuum before we kind of talk about the game so England what do England need to do after last week what's your kind of when you look at this game this weekend with a coaching hat on recover recover I think I think recovery um and freshen up their minds and freshen up who they know that they can be as players um pressure is a phenomenal thing that brings out all sorts of stuff in in players and I don't think we've seen the best of England yet and I think that there's a lot on their shoulders um and I think they just to say it's really cool to see friends and family there it's really cool for them to, to see them in their own stuff away from the squad just being them and I think you know I experienced it in my last couple of years with it with England when I went to Wasps and Giselle knew that happy nolly meant a good rugby player you know the rugby bit was easy for me I just needed to approach it in a in a, in a way that I believed in myself I had confidence and I just enjoyed what I did and and you know they've waited some of those girls have waited five years to to change the change the storyline um and it's a long time to wait for a very small amount of uh minutes so yeah I hope I hope they recover I think um the other thing for me is um, not going 
is being very, very clear. If I was coaching that squad, being very, very clear on um, on structures and um, organization, but nothing new really, just more embedding what they know um, and, and and making sure that they feel really confident in their basics because the sparkly stuff is the stuff that comes naturally to all good world-class players and they have it in abundance. And I just want them to go and show that to the world. It's really interesting when you talk about pressure. I was talking to Joe Burns, uh, Burnsy drama, as people might know from social media, um, commentator. And I was chatting to him yesterday, day before yesterday. And we were talking about pressure and how I said, you know, pressure creates diamonds. And he said, but pressure also bursts pipes. And I thought it was <laughs> such an interesting thing and how these two teams are both have, have a huge amount of pressure on them, but in different ways. So the expectation on England is an incredible uh, weight for those girls. Um, you know, they're being told that, that they should, this, this is a cakewalk. They should have won that. You should, they should win this world cup and all this kind of stuff. But the Black Ferns are going to have 40,000 plus fans behind them at Eden Park on Saturday and an expectation of a nation who now think that they are unbeatable. And there has to be some niggle for those Black Ferns that, oh, hang on, England beat us twice in the autumn. And the, the reason they're number one in the world is because they are number one in the world. So as much as they yeah. in and, oh, yeah, we, we, you know, the underdogs tag doesn't bother us. We like it. We're just out here to play rugby and have fun. What's the pressure? <laughs> have been in a, a world cup final as a as a home in front of a home crowd what are the emotions when you go into a game like that um it was interesting because for a group of us we'd gone to 2006 and lost in the final and I think I genuinely believed in all the training and and was so inspired by how fit and strong everyone was I think what I didn't realise was the value of of how we hadn't truly come together necessarily as as a team in 2010. Um, but instantly there were mistakes happened from the whistle that players would never make, you know. Um, you know, Amy Garnett, unbelievable hooker. I think it was Ames that um, dropped the ball from the first restart. You know, someone else made a mistake at a line out, like other missed tackles. You know what I mean? It's like, it, it's amazing how it crept into people in different ways. Did I ever think that that, like, I mean, I definitely didn't have a perfect game at all, but did I ever think that those errors would all add up to losing in the World Cup final? No, but fundamentally they do because it you're playing the best of the best that will capitalise on anything that you give them. Um I think the one thing that New Zealand have in their armour is that they their sevens players refuse to lose. Like they have this ability to play until the last second in sevens competitions under the biggest amount of fatigue and never think they're going to lose. And I think that they, they're, they're, in really, they're in really critical positions across the squad. So it'd be really interesting to see how they manage that. Um, I wonder how much that's a chip on the shoulder for some of them as well, because obviously Stacey, Portia, Gossie, not Ruby, but they've lost a Commonwealth Games gold medal and a World Cup Teresa. gold Teresa. Yeah. Teresa Fitzpatrick, this is a perfect example of how Teresa Fitzpatrick is one of the most underrated players in the world because you forget about her, but she has been absolutely <laughs> instrumental to that team. I mean, she's class. She's absolutely class. 
She's um, unbelievable. I want to ask you a question about your your four World Cups. Which one of them did you go into feeling the most confident? Which one did you think? Obviously, 2014, you did walk away with the gold medal, but which one did you go into thinking, this is the one that will win? 2014. But I only thought that. I did think that in 2010, but then I knew why we lost in 2010 when we got to 2014 and we'd put that right. Um, I think, so when we arrived in um, 2014, there was a couple of things that we did. There was a lot of things we did with the psychologist building up to to it. And um, maybe we can talk about that another time. But when we arrived in 2014 in France, in our hotel, um, 2010, a, a guy followed us around and did a documentary and right the way through. Um, and we were forced to sit and watch the documentary on one of the first nights we were in Paris uh, in um, yeah in Paris and I'd never seen it I had no interest in watching it and I and and I couldn't even remember the World Cup final like I I and I was watching it thinking oh my gosh we were so close it was literally a couple of missed kicks like how and like I and we were all people in with tears like angry like frustrated and what was really good about doing it there and then was it, it as a group, was it put that emotion to bed in that we've experienced it, we've moved on, look at where we are now. This is a motivator. And then we also, um, before we left, we'd gone in and it was an old school camcorder. We had to go in and, and press the start button on the camcorder and shuffle and sit back down again. And there's no like selfie videos or anything yeah. like then. Um, but we had to talk about our why. Why are we giving up what we did? Why do we want to win? Why do we why are we who who we are as rugby players and we also watched that in the early stages of the world cup and and it was fascinating and really quite emotional to see sides to players that i'd known for over a decade well over a decade and they were saying things i didn't know about them and i think that there was this vulnerability within our squad and closeness within the squad not necessarily from a like a busy mates type of thing but there was a professional um respect, respect yeah across how we all knew that we could play and, and what what everyone had done to make sure that they were as good as they could be in that in that environment um so yeah I think you know 2017 obviously it's only a three-year turnaround um with the Olympics in the middle of it and I had a really difficult journey personally in in, in all of that so it was very very different experience going into 2017 um for me personally so yeah, I'd probably say 2014 was when I thought, well, yeah, we're we're here and we're going to win it. There's been a lot of talk about the way that um, England play rugby and if they win a World Cup, no one will um, remember how they played and all that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, all these things get uh, your journey to a final and, and actually I turn it on its head and I look at the Black Ferns. They've made the final and they'll be elated to be there, obviously. But how much did they play their get out of jail free card last week? That that French miss at the end is she should never have missed that kick. You know that at, at oh. that point, that's you know that you, I'd never get over that if I you know in that position. If you're the player, you you, you never get over it. So how much New Zealand are, are in the final, but by an absolute hair's breath? 
it's fascinating, isn't it? I haven't watched it back, so my memory is saw all of it live and um, <laughs> listened, looked back at my notes about what I wrote and what I because obviously we're like doing analysis at half time and then the analysis comes quite punchy quite quickly at the end, and you're getting thrown all these interviews to talk about. <clears throat> I got quite emotional when um, uh, Rua Haydemont spoke because you could and and you could hear it crackling in my voice in um, when I was talking about you know them winning that game and what did it mean and um and I think from a from Duran's perspective that kick should never have been missed but the French should never have been in that position no. you know they, they were kicks that went straight out um there wasn't opportunities taken and you have to compliment New Zealand and interestingly they did what they did to us in 2017 final where they changed on their head what they did tactically and I think this weekend for me I'm really intrigued to see the the tactics that both teams have because fundamentally you've got 46 very, very like exceptionally skillful players playing against each other. And on their day, they, ma they match each other. I think that England probably have got the edge because of the experience that a lot of those players have got. Um, and especially up front, like without a doubt. Um, and experience is something that you can't quantify. It's really hard to quantify it, and but it just comes to absolute fruition when in a World Cup final. Um, so I think what I'm really, really intrigued about is um, the game plans that they come out with um, and the execution of the game plans is down to the players. But this is about a battle of the coaches for me. And you have an exceptional coach in Wayne Smith in terms of what he's done from a cultural perspective, what he's done with, and, and you can see the, you can see if you look at when you're coaching laws like me, you can see what he's implemented, how he's manipulated plays, what he's doing with the team, who's playing well, why they're playing well, what opportunities they're getting versus Simon Middleton, who is providing at the moment one style of play for, for England that has been very, very successful and they keep talking about something else. They keep talking about, others, but, but a lot of what I've seen is what I've, I played in and, and there hasn't been that much change, but you know, fundamentally they're still winning. They've won 30 yeah. games like it. So why have they needed to, but is the, this the time where the girls have the, the keys to get and the, and the opportunity to, and the game plan to manipulate things if and when they need to to unleash it and I and I and I'm really intrigued by that because I genuinely believe that whatever the girls are asked to do I think they have the ability to execute it pressure will come into that and there will be mistakes made but by world-class players because they, that just happens but um yeah it's a it's a fascinating one in terms of in terms of styles and it it's it's even more interesting given that the Kiwis got demolished up front. Like it was embarrassing how bad they were at set piece last year. Um, and they won 100% of their scrums against the French at the weekend. That's a massive statement. Yeah. And the two props that came on, yes, one of them had a yellow card, but Crystal Murray was absolutely insane in terms of what she did. So they've now not just got a, fr a fr front eight, they've also got a bench to come on to to create impact um and the French aren't you know and you know Menager was oh give her a shout out what yeah. a player and what also a player. what she you know came back from in that England game which you know the way she went off the field was horrendous and to come back yes, later in yes amazing um 
it looks very unlikely that Helena Rowlands will be playing a part in the match this weekend in the final. Um, she is non-weight bearing in a boot on crutches. So I would be very surprised. England haven't confirmed what it is. We know it's a foot. We don't know what the, the severity is. Um, they'll find out the team today. If you were picking the back line, how does it look? She's a massive loss just because of what she offers. There's no player like her in terms of the way that she plays. I think probably the difference, and you look at it, it's like the, the curse of the 15 shirt in the semi-final, isn't it? Um, oh, God. Um, I think one thing that's different for England um, where they won't suffer necessarily in terms of, you know, in 2017, there was quite a big shift around because of my injury, not playing in this final meant that Skaz went to full back and then Meg came into 13. And that wasn't a combination that we played. No. Oh, yeah. Um, or they played it for the last however many minutes in the semi-final. Yeah. Um, but it, but it, it, I'd started in the 15 shirt every single game, I think, in that, in that tournament builder, in that year. And I think there was about 14, maybe 15 test matches. Um, so it was a big thing. It was a big thing to, to for any player, relevant whether it was me or not, to to then remove them, yeah. um, especially kind of a tactical position like that. Um, the benefit that England have is that Ellie has played a number of games for England at fifteen, and she is a very very exciting player in attack. She can create something from nothing. She's you know very very talented. Um, she's just a very very different type of player to Helena. Um, so I think the big. I, I think the. The only change really would be um, to um, bring her into the 15 shirt. I think where they need to look. not fit. Do you think he still starts both scrum halves on the pitch? Um, Potentially, yes. When you look at some of the players that can ish cover nine, um, we were kind of trying to work that out. Um, But maybe, you know, maybe with Holly Aitchison being the last minute cover, given her experience at sevens, I don't know whether she has played much. That's not something I've asked her about or anything, but um, I think the only other potential is that if Lucy Packer isn't and they they run the risk of not having her, you would instantly, I'd instantly put Lydia Thompson into that final. She she is just world-class. In fact, in my opinion, I mean, Abby Dow is pushing her tight now with that, you know, in terms of how she finishes, but Lydia for me is still up there in the top two well in the world for finishing um and defensively she pulled out some brilliant brilliant spot tackles against australia um and shut down some real big threats that were against them so i think they're really fortunate to have someone with that caliber that wasn't playing at the weekend but it's how they manage their bench um and sadia kabea in my opinion i think showed how she deserves a spot in that in that on that bench but again that means other players missing out. And then, so it's just that Wait, balance. Do you think he goes 6-2 split? Um, yes, probably. Um, given the the need, especially with the weather, if the weather's yeah. not going to be great, you kind of think, well, because there's not many play- there's not many of the backs that you potentially want to take off the field. I think that that's what you've got to look at when you've got subs. It's like you need people to complement people coming on, but also who have you got that are solid for 80 minutes yeah. time and time again? And yes, you need cover in case something happens, like worst case scenario, they get injured, obviously. So you need to look at that. But how many of them do you want are 80 minute players versus how many of the how many of the forwards are 50 minute players? Um, and you get world class for 45, 50 minutes potentially. Um, 
Yeah. Sounds like Hannah Bottman is out as well for the weekend. How much of a loss is that in terms of his front row options? I think it's really big, especially when you've not got Keats either, because I think Hannah has been in absolute brilliant form um, and not just from set piece perspective, but getting over head over the ball, like loads of turnovers, big shots in defense. I think, you know, she's a, she's a really big loss. Um, and I think, you know, New Zealand's front row is coming on and showing their dominance around the park, but also at set piece. It they don't have their best scrummages left in the in the squad in terms of the play. And that's not to be disrespectful. That's just from an experience. You know, someone like Shauna Brown offers a lot around the pitch, but scrummaging isn't her massive yeah. strength, you know. So yeah. um, which is what you get for someone like Keatsey. It does allow some I mean, Maud Murr is, in my opinion, absolutely unbelievable and exactly what England need and the fact that she can cover loose and tight head and hooker if she needs to um so she is one of the most invaluable people in that England squad in my opinion and she's a baby and she's just going to get better and better and she's going to play another three world cups for England I can't wait to see <laughs> um one thing I just want to finish on before we uh wrap this up for the week uh this is a plea to Nathan Middleton at the RFU I sat with the England girls for the majority of the game last weekend please put a microphone on Hannah Bottomman for alternative commentary of this game this weekend because <laughs> oh my god I I was creased I was absolutely beside myself listening to her she doesn't need she doesn't need any um more encouragement oh my god it was so <laughs> good so good so Nathan stick a microphone on bots it's what the people want it's what the people need um I hope you have a fantastic day on Saturday. Thanks. I feel quite nervous. Um, yeah, so do I. You know what I'm going to pull out, I think? You're already the orange shirt. Yeah, I'm going to pull out the orange. Um, I decided I looked like a giant cauliflower in my uh, woolen dress on the weekend. Um, so I've gone from vegetable to fruit. and I'm going to go for the orange, I think. I think it's more carroty. Um, I, just to update you, the... Bo was an overwhelming yes on the votes. So. Yeah, but you wouldn't believe the messages that I got. Um, so Eleanor Roper message saying I'm a fan. I was like, well, of course you would be. I feel like you're ultra femme, so yeah. you would be. Georgie Gulliver, Savage George wrote, I hate it. George <laughs> Gulliver, you absolute cow. Um, and I had some other random, Who else? like random some randoms basically saying i'm with you yes you um, voted no my mum me my mum <laughs> some really disappointing no voters in there so um don't worry your cards are marked <laughs> i couldn't vote either way because where it said add this to your story was where the vote button was i was like she's she's strategically placed that so she can't get an extra no the yeses had it overwhelmingly. It was like seventy percent to thirty percent. Is there any um? Is there any big uh, big singers or anything there this weekend? Oh, Apart so from you, are like you going to be pulled up on stage? Like never bloody heard of this whole like Rita Ora. I knew she was last week. Never heard of them. This week, never heard of them. It's like last year when I thought diversity with a music actor to buy sevens. And it was some deep <laughs> disclosure, and I was like, well, I never heard of them. This year, do you know who it is on the Saturday night to buy sevens? No. Craig David! Oh, no. Oh, gosh. He makes my skin crawl. 
Oh my God, I'm buzzing. I've seen him live loads of times. I can't wait. Eat, oh. eat, wind. When the crowds say bow. Oh, don't. That, like on that, it's literally giving me hives. Um, Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the weekend, tryhards. Um, I bloody hope that England are world champions by this time next week. I am going to, I am buzzing for them. They have put so much hard work in. Yes, New Zealand have, but I'm back in the red roses. All the way. Come on, the girls. Come on, the girls. Come on. Let's, I'm just backing rugby. Do one. Bye, tryhards. Bye.